Hello and welcome to the DC Comics News, Spinner Rack. This is episode number 96, and I'm your host, Seth Singleton. It's my pleasure to bring you all the books from March 9th, 2021. Something about saying that year just gets better and better each time I do it. Thanks for the understanding while I do. Great list of books. A great way to look at things for this week's episode. Uh, Starting things off, and let me just set it up for anyone who isn't a regular listener. Here on the Spinner Rack, I pick my top five books from DC Comics each and every week, and I share them with you here on the DC Comics News Podcast Network. I share my first two, we take an ad break, then I get to my third, fourth, and fifth choices. Always a pleasure, always a delight, always a new discovery. And to start things off, Joker number one, James Tynan the fourth, Guillaume March on the art, Arif Prianto with the colors, Tom Napolitano with the letters, and trust me, everyone plays a crucial role in a story that feels as haunting, as dangerous as the maniacal clown himself. Also like to point out, beautiful original cover by Guillaume March and Tomu Mori with variant covers by Frank Quitely, Francesco Mattina. If you have all of them, I'm not jealous. Envious, maybe. There's a difference. Uh, <laughs> and maybe that's what it all comes down to in this story that starts out with Jim Gordon reflecting on the time before he left the place of Chicago where he had been a police officer before coming to Gotham and how he meets with an officer, Danny Ryan, who's a, a legacy officer. It's been in his blood. His father was one. His kids will be one. And that's just the way it goes. And he brings up this idea of evil and what it's like. And it's a horrifying example of just what happens when someone's in a line of work that's going to expose them to something like that. It reminds me, at least, of those great elements that procedurals have to address, which is the introduction of a character at a point in their life and the steady progression, uh, the effect of what they do, police work, detective work, and similar, such first response positions, and how they change the person. So, in this story, Officer Ryan, Detective Ryan, is explaining to Jim that he hasn't been a police officer long enough, but there will come a time when he will experience something that is truly evil, beyond just bad, and certainly more horrifying than anything he could have imagined. To which Gordon then reflects on the impact of the Joker, what his recent war has done to Gotham, how figures like Bane have been uh, deified and turned into something like saints while others have carved up territory. And he gets an interesting offer, one that suggests that he might be able to bring down the Joker if he's willing to take a private contract and go on the hunt. Now, Boy, (laughs) for starters, uh, the offer and who it comes from is something I'm going to let you discover for yourself. But the reaction, the beautiful setup prior to the horrifying sort of dark story in a bar, the transition to a Gotham that is crumbled and wrecked in places and trying to rebuild in others, and Gordon, who's been around long enough to take it all in, 
and consider what the effect might be. But then, boy, the close-ups where he is so clearly fully illuminated within the house of the guest who is making him the job offer, his expressions. I mean, on so many different panels, there's shock, amazement, anger, frustration, uh, even bewilderment that looks angry. And there's a reason why. And there's a possibility for what it means for where the Joker is run to and also how he might react to news of the things that have been occurring in Gotham, especially as they pertain to Arkham. If you haven't been keeping up with the Batman stories, this might seem like new information, but otherwise it feeds in nicely to this idea that there's been a dangerous, damaging effect. And here in Joker number one, we see that Gordon is being asked to take on the role of problem solver. There's also a great uh, backup story, Punchline Chapter 1, written by Sam Johns and James Tyne IV, art by Mirka Andolfo, letters by Ariana Maher, colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr., and a really interesting insight into the campaign that, that was sort of addressed in Punchline Number 1, and has now become part of this backup story, which is, how is it someone who was so instrumental in the Joker War has now created a public that will make everything happen for her to potentially get her out of jail, as the old saying goes, scot-free, and move on with a criminal empire that's already in the works and that she's currently controlling while also manipulating the public. And how some figures who have been known to wear masks are not happy about this development and the way it has led to the recruitment of their brother. Again, all stuff I'm going to let you enjoy and discover, but one of the many reasons why Joker number one made my list this week for this DC Comics news, Spinner Rack. On to my second choice, keeping in mind the idea of what we think and how it affects what we perceive or believe we perceive, I bring you to Wonder Woman, number 70, 770, my second choice. One of those gorgeous original covers that also has the beautiful variant with the uh, sort of cast of characters we've come to know and expect to be a part of Wonder Woman's life and who apparently will also be playing roles in future stories, as well as new members of the Wonder Woman identity legacy it's interesting how they're going to define it you know with batman and superman it's family is it the wonder woman family now I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that one however one of the things that catches my attention is the idea that wonder woman finds herself in a place she does not remember a place that actually happens to be something well known in mythology it's a little old place known as valhalla and in this story, Afterworlds Part 1, writers Michael W. Conrad and Becky Cloonan, with art by Travis Moore, colors by Tamara Bonvillain, letters by Pat Brousseau, and original cover by Moore and Bonvillain, is met by variant cover by Moore and Alejandro Sanchez. Now, all of this beautiful writing and artistic talent combines to capture a story that begins on a battlefield and continues in the mead halls of Valhalla 
celebration, recognition given to Diana, who very early on in this issue dies in battle on the fields of Valhalla, only to awaken in the Mead Hall and celebrate, and then only to find herself back again out in the fields. There's a suggestion that she gets so drunk on the Mead that she winds up in bed with her her guide, someone who is able to sort of guide her just a little bit <laughs> in regards to her new status as a uh, as a member of this community. The person that does this is known as either Sigur or Siegfried, and he understands her confusion. He experienced the same, and all who are new to this place do. It's a place for warriors. It's the warrior's sort of afterlife. Um, if you consider it to be a form of heaven, then it's a form of heaven, a place where the best thing about what they loved being on earth is available now. Now, there are also a few other plots that are threaded into this story. For starters, there is Ratatosk, who is a squirrel who lives in Yggdrasil, the world tree that connects the many realms and who is worried about the health of the tree and what it means for Diana, who is also dealing with the fact that her, well, her memory is fading away. It's slowly being lost each time she dies on the battlefield. And each time she dies, there's another thread, which is a character appearing in black and white and faded gray, reaching out to her, doing their best to find her and let her know that She's actually in the wrong place, and if she doesn't hold on to her memories, the longer she stays there, the harder it will be for her to leave. But Diana is also discovering a mystery, why it is that some, not all, just some, never make it back to Valhalla, and what can that story potentially mean for what Diana is going to do? Should this end up being a part of her fate, or as she experiences with Siegfried, when it happens to someone she knows. There's a lovely backup story featuring young Diana in Birthday Blues with uh, great writing from Jody Belair, art by Paulina Ganachu, colors by Kendall Good, letters by Becca Carey, and a beautiful story that picks up with young Diana, who has come to life in many forms, whether in graphic novels or others, and also... The desire of a young Diana to find her place, which suggests something maybe outside of what she might have anticipated as a young warrior in training. But I love the suggestion of it, and I think it's one of the many reasons why this is such a solid number to pick, five out of five book, right here on the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. As promised, first two books out of the way, that means it's time for the ad break. And then I'll be back with my third, fourth, and fifth choices. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien... Everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop up greeting cards. They have 
all kinds of amazing items. And right now, you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNEWS35. That's D-C-N-E-W-S-3-5. DCNEWS35. Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. (laughs) No, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Madpup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. 
picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion podcast network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth <laughs> joke. <laughs> ears hoping. <laughs> We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't want God damn it. Look, all right. We're going to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un- unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. And just like that, the ads are over. I'm back. You are listening to the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. This is episode number 96. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. It's been my pleasure to share our first two books with you. That was Joker as well as Wonder Woman number 770, which gives me the chance now to move into my third choice, The Green Lantern, season two, number 12. Feeling so much like uh, an extension of that original procedural that began in season one and became so much more uh, evolved as we went into season two. Here now at the end of this run, issue number 12, a beautiful story by Graham Morrison, uh, equally stellar, if not exemplary art by uh, Liam Sharp, with letters by Steve Wands that, man, capture so many different voices so well, including the voice of the narrator, explaining just what it means to be at the end of the world. You've also got a beautiful cover by Liam Sharp, with variant cover by Juan Jimenez, with Jose Ladrone. There are so many things going on in this story, the intelligence engine, and the way that it unfolds. The grand, grand mythology of an emerald, Hal or Harold Jordan, his iteration on a place that is run by the intelligence engine, what it means that Hector Hammond, imprisoned on Earth, has created a persona 
that is ruling this place, and why there are so many players who are actually just toys at the whims of those who have actually granted this kind of control to Hector Hammond. Now, we get a chance to see a beautiful, really gorgeous story play out featuring these characters as well as their fate in the hands of Hal Jordan and the arrival of those who have created this world and now come to feast on it. They <laughs> they are very above, they are very condescending, they are for the most part a higher intelligence looking down on Jordan like a bug. But he has something that they don't. And it's because of that that Jordan is able to make a very powerful threat, which is the idea that he is who he is. He's always overcome whatever the obstacle might be, and that is going to be no different when it comes to beating them. Not only that, but he has an, a variable. I was going to say an unknown variable, but I think the Green Lantern ring and its power is well enough known that when he suggests the idea that he will only bring trouble they are aware of the fact, as he illustrates so clearly, that <laughs> his is a weapon driven by will, and his will is unmatched. And because of that, he knows, like they know, that he will eventually win. And are they really willing to take on that risk? Now, along the way, I mean, some of the most unbelievable, unbelievable art I have ever experienced. It's so gorgeous in so many different ways. It offers such wonderful delights. It, <laughs> it's explosive, it's brilliant, it, it really is a perfect match to Grant Morrison's writing. And through it, we get this opportunity to experience a layered effect that is powerful, that is really wondrous to experience, and it, it, it feels like this sort of joy and bewilderment and amazement that you want when you open up the pages of a book. This offers this, not with like some absurdity or, you know, reality stretching concept, which don't get me wrong, the story pushes all of those boundaries and asks for an amazing leap of faith as it has for each issue. But it's sustained by art that visually presents it saying, well, look at how it appears and tell me this is impossible. And from this, we get a wonderful end to Hal Jordan's journey on this story. So many wonderful pieces from throughout the story are connected. Characters emerge in the best of places. And this is really one of those pieces that if you haven't been collecting, that's okay. There's still time. You can always go back, either find the old issues, grab the trade, but keep it in the forefront. Because at some point, the next big thing will come along. And what I feel might have been a comic that could have been recognized more often and celebrated more has still, without any of the adulation it so rightly deserves, become a powerful statement on just what a character like Hal Jordan in the hands of brilliant creators can can do and this is a great example uh, the art the colors the the wonderful letters the gorgeous gorgeous moments where a blending 
of all of those ideas is so perfectly matched on the page that you find I did. I found myself just stunned, you know, reminded of wonderful images and suggestions, both fantastical, scientific, and yes, even philosophical and theological. And from them, a, a wonderful view of a universe that is, well, it's awe-inspiring, just that it is, it is awful. And because of that, well, at least in this case, whether we're lucky enough to have it in the real world, there is a Hal Jordan standing between all of the insanity and us. And that's my third pick, great five out of five book, and a great way for us to pick things back up after the ads and move right on through here, episode number 96 of The Spinner Rack. As I cruise along, I must say, it's a joy to, every once in a while, take a moment and remember that there are some other books that I've really enjoyed, that I've really had a lot of fun with, that I'm really looking forward to continuing to share. But things like Future State got in the way. Also, at times, it's, it's almost like I know just how well these books are written and created and brought to life on the page because of how well they've been done so before. But there's always a chance to catch up, check in, and make up for the times that this series wasn't able to appear here on the spinner rack. Which is why from my fourth choice, I'm pleased to share with you Rorschach number six, a DC black label book written by Tom King with interior and cover art by Jorge Fornes. Colors by Dave Stewart, letters by Clayton Cowles, and a variant cover by Gabriel Delato. There is a mystery that one person working for the government is trying to unravel. Why it is that two people would appear to make an assassination attempt on the life of a presidential candidate? Why would one be wearing a Rorschach outfit? much like the character from The Watchmen who died at the end of The Watchmen and is believed until this moment to have died as well. Except the age of the person wearing the mask and the uniform brings questions and makes them wonder just what it is that <laughs> was really going on here and how this could have happened. Now, we do have an agent who is on the case and in the process has uncovered a series of disturbing information and sources that reveal just who one of the attempted assassinators was, a young woman who was trained to be a soldier for the future and was willing to go to such terribly great lengths as, well, <laughs> do some pretty horrible things that so far have been captured in a wonderful light. Her name is Laura. And she is now looking for connections in the world after the last one in her family is severed. And she is trying to figure out how she can marry the teaching she grew up under that trained her so well with a gun, but also caused her such frustrations in her thoughts. She reaches out to the creator of a comic series and we, as the readers, are given the opportunity to experience a series of letters between them, which are wonderfully then matched against these really gorgeous panels, this really beautiful capturing of 
great pencils, great art, great colors. And then there's also the voice of each character as they are presented in the letters and the lettering by the letterer. And through that, we clearly understand the voices of Laura, of the cartoonist named Will, of the other characters who are part of this spool of a past that are being unraveled and what it means that <laughs> there is an agent trying to make sense of it all and yet looking into something that could feel like madness but also feels like a carefully woven tapestry that if glanced at too quickly if dismissed too easily and out of hand will then create this sense of something missed and then the desire to go back and look at it all over again i think it's a wonderful way to tell this story to introduce hints not only through the letters and through the panels but then to have our guide walk us through it all this poor agent trying to understand just what it was that that started all of this how it was that any of that came to be uh, a young woman and a man committing this attempt and why it is that <laughs> the process of uncovering this all is such a frustrating, challenging, training experience and also capturing for us just what it's like to be part of that process. It's not easy. It's not pretty. It doesn't always contain things that connect directly to what we're looking for and yet the threads are there they must be this information is relevant because it pertains to the people involved but what's the connection and does it even have any meaning or is this just a well a fool's errand uh, a chase that leads nowhere a discovery of many personal lives that actually have very little if much to do with why things actually came to an end that they did. That's Rorschach number six, a great five out of five pick, a pleasure to share with you as my fourth choice, and a wonderful setup as I move into my fifth and final. Man, this one wasn't easy, I'm gonna be honest with you. There were a couple of books that I could have easily put it four and five instead of the ones I chose. Honorable mentions going out to Sweet Tooth, The Return, a really delightful book, issue number five, as well as American Vampire 1976, number six. Lovely twists and turns in there. They just it didn't happen. Oh, and Superman number 29. Uh, a lot of potential worth considering. But for my fifth and final choice, I decided to go with Batman Urban Legends. Man, it's just, it's not really fair to anybody else with how DC does these amazing anthologies and the collection of characters you've got a story with red hood and batman in which well there's a lot to deal with in this one it's part one of six the story cheer you also have a lovely story about harley quinn and poison ivy in new roots and then you've got the outsiders in the caretaker which is part one of a three-part story grifter in the long con one of a five-part story, as well as uh, <laughs> a laundry list of creators.
for the Red Hood Batman story, Chip Zdarsky, Eddie Burrows, and Eber Ferreira. Marcus Two, Adriana Lucas, Becca Carey. For the Harley Quinn and Poison Ivan story, Poison Ivy story, Stephanie Phillips, Laura Braga, Ivan Placencia, Darren Bennett. For the Outsider story, Brandon Thomas, Max Dunbar, Luis Guerrero, and Steve Wands. And for the Grifter story, Matthew Rosenberg, Ryan Benjamin, Antonio Fabella, and Saida Temofonte. Hichima Habchi provides the original cover with a Red Hood variant cover by David Finch and Tomu Mori, and a Grifter variant cover by Kyle Nguyen. Batman Urban Legends is one of those brilliant things that <laughs> is such a great example of why the anthologies continue to work for DC. They are capable and comfortable taking huge risks raising difficult challenges, retreading stories that have been covered, but also shining a new light in the process. Most fans of Batman know who Jason Todd is, know who Red Hood is, know what his tragic life was and what his current struggle has become. And the rift between the two, the, the sense of loss, the sense of betrayal, the sense of heartache, it's not easy and there's plenty of blame to go around and I'm sure... Enough has been said and will be said, but because of that, it's not always easy when someone like Red Hood has to face a challenge similar to the one Bruce Wayne once did. What do you do if you find a child in trouble, someone who has lost one parent, and in the, the search to find the other parent comes the awareness that the other parent is not actually a parent, they just happen to be the adult. Instead, it's really just a person old enough to be part of a child being created and born, but not mature enough to know that responsibility, let alone take care of the child, and now potentially leaving the child in the hands of Jason Todd. That's just the beginning of how things start off with this collection, this anthology. Through it, we get a chance to explore wonderful characters and relationships in Batman Urban Legends, and because of that, once again, DC cements its status as champion of all anthologies, at least for the time being. There's always going to be contenders, but right now, I don't see anyone coming close. If you do, let me know how. In fact, since that brings us to the end of our DC Comics News Spinner Rack, that being my fifth and final pick, it's a pleasure to know that I got to hang out with you, share all these great stories, and let you know that if you have any questions or thoughts about any of the ones I just went over for this week or any week, all you have to do is find me on, say, Twitter. Use one more singleton as the tag. Send me a message. Send me a direct mail. Let me know whatever you're thinking about this or any of the weeks I host this podcast where I'm lucky enough to share my picks with you and thankful whenever I get to hear back and hear your thoughts. You want to send a message to the whole team? We've got you covered. Whatever you're on, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, Instagram, just use the at symbol in DC Comics News. That's capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. When you do, you'll make sure that the entire team knows what you're thinking, and maybe 
gets a chance to respond. Of course, we want to know what you know and want to know, and we want to share our thoughts and possibilities with you. So start a conversation with us today, and we can't wait to respond. When it comes to all of the best ways to make sure you're in the know, if you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. When you do, you'll make sure that you're never missing out on all the great stuff we have to offer. Whether it's new episodes of The Spinner Rack, the weekly DC Comics News podcast covering all the big news topics in movies, television, streaming, comics, and more. Or episode-by-episode programs like I Am The Night, hosted by Mr. Steve J. Ray, Mad Love, with a wonderful cast of co-hosts and new great content on the way. Speaking of new content, DCN After Dark on YouTube, hosted by... Kelly Gaines, and Mr. Tony Hastings. It's DC Comics news-related content topics for the adult, consumer, and fan. So much more is on the way. So please, on all the platforms that you visit, subscribe now to DC Comics News. Make sure you never miss out. And then send us a message. Let us know. All the great ways we can share this wonderful comics, DC comics experience with you. Until next time, as we love to say here, read more comics. It's just that good.